good to see you. Happy Sunday. Oh, you look great. You sound good. Hope you're feeling well. If we haven't met, my name is Billy. Welcome to church. Man, do you feel that fall is in the air? It's here. It's a little hot today, but I still wore this jacket because I said, I'm just going to believe. I People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I always wear jackets. It's the uniform. I cover up. But, man, I hope that you had a great, great summer. I think we probably got a couple days left. Happy Labor Day weekend, by the way. Grateful for everyone who labors. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> are we celebrating the fact that we all go to work? Is that? I mean, I don't want to celebrate that, in fact. No, thank you. Thank you for people. Yeah, the workforce. Thank you for being out there, especially our first responders. I think of people in the medical facilities and just, you know, and all the people do civil service. We love you. Thank you. I hope you get out and enjoy. Labor Day is one of those holidays where certainly you should go barbecue by the lake. By the way, how many of you have made it to the barbecue by the lake? Man, we packed it out. Thank you for coming out there. We were out there for, last Sunday, we were out there for, I don't know, four and a half hours. We went through an enormous amount of meat. We had enough this time. Donald, I don't know what it was, but we, in my mind, we were at 300,000 pounds of meat. (laughs) I think it was over 300 pounds of meat, for sure. Yeah, it was. Love Donald. He's a, he's a... First of all, he's, he's one of our care pastors here, but he's a great caterer. He's a great cook. He's a good man. Decent poker player. Decent poker player. <laughs> hey, I hope that you're enjoying life. Hey, if you're a middle school student right now, we have a Bible study going on for you. They're just flagging me down. So any of the, if there's a middle school student in here, if you're in middle school and you're a young lady, all the middle school boys are like, I'm down. No, no, no. It's for the girls. Middle school ladies, you can leave right now. This is Claire. She's one of our great leaders. She's right here in the back. And if you're a middle school student, you can meet her in the back and they're doing a... Um, a middle school girls Bible study. You'll love that. Fellas, if you're not doing anything on Tuesday night, I'm doing a men's Bible study at my house. We pack it out. It's a lot of fun. We just talk about what the Bible says it means to be a man, especially in days like these, right? So it's not machoism, by the way. It's not how much facial hair you can grow or if you have biceps like mine. You know, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Um, no, it's just men getting together, looking at the Bible, looking at other men in the Bible and discussing what what does it mean to be a man of God? And uh, so I hope you join us. If you want information on any of those or any of the groups that we have, we have a bunch of women's groups that get together. I know Bamana leads one and um, different ones lead them. If you want, uh, just go to the Connect Bar on your way out. And uh, the friendliest people in our community are out there and they'd love to connect you in a group. And uh, we're glad you're here. Feel good? Cool. We could just call it, I guess. But I, uh, no, let's do it. I'm super excited. I'm going to do something uh, a little out of the ordinary for me when it comes to preaching, but um, would you go with me in scripture to Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Excited at the end today, share a little bit what's going on with the building. If you haven't heard, we, we, we have a building, so we'll be moving in um, at the very, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if those are people that are just hearing or if they're just, every time we say we have a building, we should cheer. Um, It's a temporary building. We'll be in there, but it's a lot better than being here, and this has been great, but uh, we'll be moving in at the very latest, the 1st of November, but we could potentially get in earlier, so we'll kind of keep you up to to speed. It's right here in Bellevue. I don't know if you know where the Barnes & Noble is in downtown Bellevue. There's a building there. It says, currently it says Doxa Church, and so they're moving, and we're moving in, and we'll be there. Uh, Yeah, this will be awesome. It's going to be the best. So we'll give you more information at the end today on how you can be a part of that. We're going to have work parties. I don't think we need a work party, but we just kind of want to get together, order pizza, and celebrate. (laughs) We'll just all walk around and tour the building and eat pizza and pretend like we're working. Um, I'm excited. Um, 
I'm anticipating, I've been anticipating. It's been, we did, we didn't have church on the fourth Sunday, then we did the barbecue. So it's been technically like 20 something days since we've gathered together as a community. Um, and so I've, I've had this in my heart. There's a lot that has happened in our society in the last 20 days. Um, the last time we were together, I preached a sermon called, I'm not afraid of the dark. And I made a statement. I said, I think perhaps we're coming into some dark days. And you don't have to be a prophet, by the way, to say that. <laughs> that doesn't make me a prophet. That just means open your eyes, look around. And certainly we are. And maybe it'll get darker. But I'm not afraid of the dark because light shines brightest in the dark. I kind of want to um, do a continuation on that and address some things, which might be a little off for me. I'm not one, if you've been a part of our community, I'm not one to get up here and talk politics. I'll never do it, in fact. I once wore a red hoodie and someone said, are you making a statement politically? And I took it off. (laughs) I'm not. I'm actually not going to do that. I don't feel that that's the place for this. I'm not going to get up here and talk preference when it comes to pandemic strategies. I'm not going to get up here. Um, I don't believe that's what the pulpit is for. But I think we can read the Bible and the Bible can talk to us about all those things. And you can connect the dots for yourself because you're a follower of Jesus, just like I'm a follower of Jesus. And so that's what I'm excited to do today. So go with me now. Proverbs chapter three. I'm gonna read verses five and six. It's a very familiar passage of scripture and then we'll go one more place. But let me get this into the the record. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I'm going to say that part again. Do not lean on your own understanding. Um, can I just say, I'm, I'm willing to bet that all of you in this room, you, you know a thing or two. I'm just going to go ahead and jump out on them. Like you probably, you probably are informed. Good chance you're intelligent. Can't really tell by looking at some of you, but there's a good chance that there's something going on up there. my guy you probably know a thing or two but turn to someone and say but you don't know everything oh now you're messing but you don't know everything you might know a thing or two the bible says do not lean on your own understanding i want to title this talk today what about faith what about faith we're in church I think it's appropriate for me as a pastor in church on a Sunday morning to ask the question, what about, what about faith? Do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, go with me one more place. I'm going to read one more, one more place, and then we'll pray. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's what I'm going to do today, and this is unorthodox for me. I'm going to read line by line through the entire chapter of 1 Samuel. I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> I was like, hold up, hold up. We'll do it together. We'll take the whole time. And I'm going to stop and we'll make comments and we'll, 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 we'll kind of go the way. But I just want to read an excerpt so that we can get something into the record and then I can pray. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a, just an excerpt from 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the story, if you haven't been to Sunday school, um, of David and Goliath. A powerful story in scripture. Um, one that I think, shockingly enough, could speak to us right now, right where we are in society today. Um, so let me, let me just pull out verse 48, 49, and, and 50-ish. So starting in verse 48, this is David, and this is the end. This is the cl- climactic point of this entire passage of Scripture. We're going to go through it all, but let me just give you the end. It says, when the Philistine, Goliath, arose and came, drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. 
And David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And the Bible wants to make mention right here as it ends. There was no sword in the hand of David. The Bible just wants to make that known. He killed a giant. He did it with a stone. And the Bible just wants to reemphasize there was no sword in the hand of David. As if to say you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, own abilities, own expertise. Because God is in control. But I want to look, before I pray, I want to look at this phrase. It says in verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to him, David ran quickly toward the battle. David, when he was faced with the great fear, and we'll talk about it, the Bible says that he ran quickly toward, not from, but toward the battle. The King James Version says he hastened and ran toward the giant. He hastened and ran. The Hebrew rendition of this passage in the language it was written, it means that he hurried up to run. That's literally what the, the, this is saying here in scripture. He hurried up and his hurrying up wasn't an anxious hurrying. And actually in the Hebrew rendition of this, of, of this passage, it, he hurried with ease. It was an ease, but he hurried up so that he could run and face the giant. Again, I want to talk this morning from the, from the subject, what about faith? There's a lot of voices out there right now, uh, a lot of ideologies. There's an enormous amount of philosophies. It's on all of our minds. I'm not talking about anything that you're not thinking about. We're all thinking about it. In fact, the whole world is thinking about the things that we're going to reference here indirectly this morning at church. There's a lot of opinions. My question is, as a pastor, in church, to people who are looking to Jesus, what about faith? Can we pray? God, we thank you right now that you're here, that you love us. You've always been here. You always have been for us. I pray that you would speak to us as only as you can. Lord, I thank you for courage and confidence and peace and faith. Lord, would you lead us into areas that we do not know? Lord, we, we are in uncharted territory in these days. As, as followers of Jesus, as humans on the planet, but God, you are not caught by surprise. Lord, this is not something that has thrown you off. You're in control. You're still in control. And we trust you. I pray that you would increase our faith now as I speak out of your word. I thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, we live in trying times. Just a few opening remarks before we kind of get into scripture. And I think um, the days are darker than normal. And again, don't have to be a prophet to say that. And, but I want to remind us that um, we still have faith. And faith still works. Just in case you were wondering. There's a lot of things out there that we're working uh, in life. And you, we can talk generally as a community, as a nation, as a city, or you can talk individually. You could be facing the giant and the fear and the calamity of a pandemic, or you could be facing the giant and the fear and the calamity of addiction or divorce or depression or bankruptcy or the loss of a job or having to take a vaccine or not take a vaccine or having to wear a mask or not wear a mask or having to put your kids in school or not. Like there's so many things. So we could just, you can kind of just fill in the blanks for yourself, but faith still works. 
faith still works. And all of our understanding and all of our getting and all of our information, all of our gathering and data entry that we're, and then to make decisions in life, what about, just, I just want to throw it out there, are we still, is faith still a part of it? Is it still something we're considering? The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Scripture would go on to say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It also says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This isn't just, this isn't pump up. This isn't just a pep talk from a coach before a game. No, this is the scripture. This is truth that I can bank my life on. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.7 says, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. How many could use a sound mind in days like these? <laughs> One of my friends today was like, I was in Lake Chelan this last weekend, and you know, it's just crazy. It's a big party. And she's like, Do you ever go in the summer? I'm like, No, because it's so chaotic, and I have to control the chaos in my mind. You know, I can only handle so much. The Bible says that we have a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Romans 8:31 says, If God is for us, who could be against us? Or you could fill in what could be against us. Faith still works. I was asked while we were on break, how will you address um, the calamity and the challenges that we are facing today in society? Pastor, how will you address it? I thought long and hard about it. There's lots of ways to do it. And then I decided, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up my Bible. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to remind myself who God is to us and who we are in him. That's how I'm going to address it. I'm not going to spout my opinions or my philosophies or my experiences. No, I'm going to open up the word of God. The only thing that stands. I'm going to read it and I'm going to remind myself who God is and who I am in God. So that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to literally, this is unorthodox for me, but we are going to go line by line. I'm going to take moments. I'm just going to read this passage of scripture and it's going to speak to us. The Bible's going to read us as we read it. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so if we're talking about faith, I'm just going to read and I'll stop and I'll make comments. And I think it's going to be good. So start with me in chapter 17. Let's start in verse four. Story time with Pastor Billy. Here we go. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of that coat was about 5,000 shekels of bronze. Okay. And bronze armor on his legs. Thank you for that detail. And a javelin and a bronze and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear. Now we're talking about the shaft of his spear. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And a spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. Another person carrying his shield. Can I just stop for a second? What is the deal with all the details of the giant? Like what is, have you ever read this? I've read this passage dozens and dozens of times in my life. And I've always skipped over this little, this little like, I'm like, what are we, who cares? I don't care how heavy the head of the spear is. What are we even talking about? I don't care that he has iron and bronze. Are you like me? Sometimes I'm more prone to focus on the problem than I am on the solution. And when I read this, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. We study the problem. We become experts in the giant and the fears that face us. And we lose focus of what potentially could be the solution or the answer. Honestly, I feel like these days I have a master's degree in fear 
assessment. Like, I, I mean, my goodness, every article, every new uh, development, every news feed, every podcast, every person who has a moment just to whisper something into my ear. I mean, I, I literally have so much. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy who would honestly try and like not hear it. If you're around me much and you start talking about politics or social things or the pandemic or mass, I literally am the person who will be like, ah, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Like I'm very much that guy. But still, if you were to say, tell me everything you know, man, I know a lot. More than I want to know, just to be quite honest. How easy it is for us to focus on these things, these fears that face us. We get so, we know every little detail. And yet we've forgotten somehow that which matters the most. My question, what about faith? What about faith? I know there's fears out there. I know there's things to be frightened of, but why are we so interested in the details of those? As humans, we are prone to make things bigger than they are. Complicate things. This is especially true in marriage. Don't say amen, fellas. Okay, my wife and I have been married 25 years, almost 25 years. I love her more than anything in the world. She is, she is the jelly on my toast, the butter on my biscuit. She's the J-O-Y of my D-A-Y. <laughs> for the life of me, I don't know why God did not keep her for himself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but we've had moments where we have been guilty in 25 years of making things bigger than they are. I mean, it's simple stuff. Simple stuff. Someone said amen. Sir, do yourself a favor. Don't amen me on this. Just sit there and smile. Uh, like, as simple as though, like, she'll come home one day and she'll be like, hey, how was your day? And my response might be something like, good, I guess. And it was the I guess that just, she's like, you guess? Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know, I'm tired. You're like, you're tired, you're kind of irritable, you've been working all day, she's been working all day. She's like, what do you guess? Like, I guess you don't have time to tell me about your day? I'm like, no, no, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. This has never happened. I'm just, th- th- theoretically, hypothetically speaking, I'm like, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I guess. You guess what? You guess that I'm not, I'm not important enough to share the details of your life? I guess I'm not a good wife? What? I guess you don't love me anymore, and I guess our marriage is over? Where did we go to? Like, you know, like, boom. Like, we just make things bigger than they are. I'm guilty of it. I just, I make it so big. Like, that's not. If you're getting a fight with someone that you love and 15 minutes in it, you have to stop and remind yourself, like, wait, what are we fighting about? Because it's gone off on so many directions, you know? And you're like, what, what was the point of it? And so I'd be like, babe, I'm sorry. No, I mean, like, you asked me, like, how was my day? So, I mean, my day was good. Or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, you just can't. We complicate things. We make it bigger. I'm reading in this passage, and it's amazing the detail and description given to the giant, to the thing which causes the fear that we face. Nothing has actually even happened yet in this passage. Do you know that? We are four verses in. Nothing has happened. All it is is fear. It's just threats. A giant stands out there and threatens. Nothing has actually happened. But Israel, the men, the fighting men and women of this nation, they are are paralyzed with fear at what potentially could happen. It's not even that something's happened. It's just the potential of harm. It's just the chance that something could go wrong. I mean, do you see what's happening here? You're like, Pastor Billy, wait a second. Are you trying to make connections from the Bible to what's happening today in society? 
I'm just reading the Bible. If you see a connection, that's all up to you. You know what I'm saying? I didn't write this, by the way. So I'm just going to read it, and we can just connect it together. So let's keep reading. All right, they made a big deal about it. It says in verse 8, he said, He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me, if he is able, to fight with me and kill me. Then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and kill him. No, if I (laughs) hold on. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid afraid. Can I just make another parallel? Nobody knew what to do in this moment. The king didn't know what to do. Government didn't know what to do. Nobody knew what to do. The great military minds of the day didn't know what to do. Um, The religious leaders of that day, they didn't know what to do. It says all of the nation of Israel was scared. It uses this word dismayed and greatly afraid. You know what the word dismayed actually in this, in this, Greek rendering means, it means to be broken down not only by fear, but confusion. That is the Hebrew definition of that word. It is one thing to have something to be afraid of. It is another thing to throw confusion on top of it. Like, okay, like one expert says do this and another expert says do the exact opposite. Uh, the governing bodies that be, this is what's happening here. They say, here's what we're going to do. Then they change their mind in the middle and now we're going to do this. It's one thing to have something that you're actually afraid of, but then you throw confusion in the midst of it. That's what's happening to these people. It says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So much so that they, they stopped moving. They were essentially on lockdown. That's... That's what was happening here. They didn't do anything. They were paralyzed. It'll go on to tell us for 40 days and 40 nights. I think about today. Um, I can't tell you how many people will send me stuff that a scientist said this. And then I'll get another email about another scientist, just as smart as the first scientist. And the scientist said the exact opposite of the other very, very smart scientist. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm so confused as to what is right and what is wrong. I don't know what to believe. And that is exactly where the nation of Israel finds itself. No one knew what was going on. They're dismayed. They're confused. They're greatly afraid. And when we we live like that, what happens if you allow fear to do what fear does? Because I'm not talking specifically about a pandemic. I'm not necessarily talking specifically about a vaccine. I'm not necessarily talking specifically about social injustice or wars that are happening or things that are happening in courts and rulings. I'm not talking, you can fill in the blanks that I'm simply talking about fear, fear. Can we just lump it all into one thing? Fear, that which would keep us from moving forward collectively as a community, as a nation and individually. As, as individuals, fear that stops us in our track. And my question is, what about faith? At what point? And I'm not, I'm not being condescending and I'm not, being, I'm not trying to patronize you. I'm a pastor. You're in church. I feel this is the place we should remind ourselves and ask the question again. I'm sorry. But where, but when does faith come into play? It, it certainly must have a say at some point in our lives, in the decisions we're making, in the lives that we're living. What about faith? Let's keep reading. 
All right, so here we go. It says now, and I'm just, guys, I'm just going to keep reading through it. So um, sorry if I didn't give you that. Verse, verse 12. Now, David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. And the three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, the next to him, Abinadab, and then third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. In verse 17, And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand and see if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah they were fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper. And he took the provisions and went. And Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment. The host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper and the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and he spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Turn to someone and say, pay attention. He spoke the same words, but the difference right now is David heard him. David's hearing this for the very first time. The Bible says, and David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were much afraid. They fled from him. This is the moment where we fight, not run. This right here, if I'm writing a story, this is the moment when the enemy approaches and says what he says. This is the moment where we're like, oh, oh, we're going to do this? We're going to, this is when we fight. But the Bible says that they fled from him. And it's been going on for a while, by the way. David gets here. It's been going on for 40 days, 40 nights. They've just been running away. Eventually you will get tired of running from that which scares you. You will just get tired of it. And here they are. And the Bible says they fled from him because fear says run, whereas faith says fight. That's the difference. I don't have time today and maybe we'll go into it next week. And there's, there, there are rules of faith and there are rules of fear and fear says run. You're alone. It's not going to work out. You cannot do this. Faith says fight. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. This is bigger than you. You are not alone. That, there's, fear says run. Faith says fight. Okay, growing up in, um, in Chicago, we grew up in, a, when I was in middle school, we lived in a, a subdivision called Bartlett. And there was a bully. We'll call him the bully of Bartlett. And I'll never forget this day. Every day we get off the bus. Me, I was about seventh grade. My brother Joey was in sixth grade. And Vic, my, so- my sister Victoria, she plays the keys. We call her Vic the sound chick. Uh, she, she was like in fourth grade or fifth grade. And we got off this bus stop. And this bully would always make fun of us. And I, I'll be honest, I was scared of him. He was a sophomore. I'm seventh grade. This guy's in high school. He just make fun of us. And we're in Bartlett. So it's Chicago. It's a suburb of Chicago. Um, someone was making fun of me. Like, you weren't in Chicago. You were in Bartlett. Well, it's a lot different than Bellevue. So... <laughs> Might not have been Cabrini Green, but it was rough enough. And so I remember getting off the bus, and you kind of scared, and you kind of just stay away. Well, my brother Joey, he's one year younger than me, he had it. 
And so Joey's very good with his words. I like to call him like a verbal assassin. You know what I'm saying? Like he could just, he could say things that would make you question your whole life. And he could just do it very quickly and very harshly. And so Joey had enough. And so Joey, my little sixth grade brother, he starts just going at this bully. Just boom, boom, boom. And the bully's a sophomore and Joey's killing him. Like honestly, it wasn't good, but it was good. You know? Like, I don't recommend it, but man, it was awesome. And so we start laughing, and you could see this bully is just getting upset because Joey's just cutting him down, and bam, bam. Every time the bully be like, well, you're your mom, and he just couldn't do it, you know? And Joey just kept getting him, and so finally, bully just grabs Joey and just starts to pound him. And I remember, I'm his big brother. Something to me was like, oh, God, I should do something, <laughs> right? I remember his clear say, I'm like, oh, I should defend him. But there was another part of me that was very scared. Very scared because the guy's a sophomore and we're in, we're in Bartlett. It's a suburb of Chicago. I've already gone down that road. And so I'm like, oh, and so part of me is like, should I? I mean, he kind of had it coming, you know, like maybe Joey's getting the due reward of his deeds, you know, like, eh, you know, what comes around goes around. And so I'm, I'm like having this moral dilemma as this bully is just beating my brother, you know, just pounding him. And, and I'm like, oh, and before I could make a decision, my sister, Vic, fourth grade, she's on this hill where they are. She just jumps from this hill like a, okay, yeah, <laughs> like a warrior princess. She's like, ah, she just screams like a ninja and she just takes her fist and just comes down on this bully and just, I mean, crushes him and it does nothing to him. <laughs> She's in fourth grade, you know? But I remember being like, whoa! I mean, Vic just flies through the air and just boom, and hits him. And he turns, and he grabs her by her backpack, and he flings her across the yard. And that was it. I mean, Joey, I'm like, eh. <laughs> I kind of want to be Joey up sometimes, too. But he flung my fourth grade sister across the yard, just flung her like baggage. And that was the point. I, I was still scared, but now I was like, oh, and he almost got away because I'm very, very slow, <laughs> very slow. And had he moved just a little quicker, it'd have been a much better day for him. But I grabbed him by the shirt and then I used like that leverage, you know, like where you lean and start to, you know, spin like this. And I, I flung him and then he was, he, he hit the ground hard. And I do what my dad taught me to do growing up in Bartlett, Chicago. He taught me, you know, play to your strength. So I jumped on his back. <laughs> He was large and in charge, and that's what you do. And so I put my knees on his elbows, and he's on his face on the ground. Sophomore, I'm a seventh grade, and I proceeded. Now, I don't, I don't condone violence, but this was awesome. And I just, just pounded his head. I mean, you know, you ever see what's it, what's it, the Christmas story with Ralphie? <laughs> just pounding, and I just pounded him until he stopped fighting back, right? And I remember I felt terrible. He, he crawled away crying. And we actually, I went back and apologized. I mean, we beat him up really, really bad. And it was awesome. It's kind of like on my highlight reels of fights. But here was the thing. You say, what, what made you do it? There came a point for me where the need to act outweighed my fear to run. The need to act I was scared. I was scared when he was making fun of us. I was scared when he was beating up Joey, but I was like, I don't know. But then when he chucked my sister, it was like, okay, okay, I'm scared. This is fearful. He's still the same bully. But the need to act now outweighs my fear to run. Can I just say, not being a prophet again, but just can I just say, I believe we are in a time in society today as followers of Jesus where the need to act far outweighs the fear to run. It outweighs the fear to run. I'm not saying that we, we, there's not fearful situations out there. There are. 
There are fearful situations out there, but the need to act outweighs the fear to run. But the Bible says in verse 24 that they, they saw the bully, they saw the giant, they saw their fear, and they fled from him. Now let's keep reading. They fled from him. So now where are we at? Are we in verse 20, 25? And the men of Israel said this, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him. Now take note, these are the first recorded words of David in all of scripture. This is the first thing the Bible, David speaks for the first time in all of scripture. Here's what he says. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach, reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice how David is not so much focused on the giant and the trouble as he is on who is this who defies God? Notice that's how he thinks. Hold up. You, you said what to who? Like, who is the man? What is the enemy? What is the giant? What is the trouble in your life that would come against God? David speaks faith. He's God-focused, whereas the entire Israelite army has been fear-focused. They've been focused on that which could. Hasn't yet, but potentially could. Hasn't yet, but it might. There's a chance. And David's like, what, what did you say about my God? The king of kings, you defy the armies of heaven. Now look, look who responds to him. This is interesting to me. Verse 20, I'll just keep reading wherever I'm at. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? Interesting to me. Fear can even turn family against each other. Did you know that? I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. Fear can turn family against each other. His own brother. Like, I know the evil in your heart. Why are you even here? Because what happens is sometimes when we're afraid of something, the way we handle our fears, we lash out at other people. It's, just, it's, some, it's how some people cope. They're afraid, so they're going to lash out at you. You've seen the memes. You've seen the videos that have gone viral of people in the gas stations. I just want to put one hashtag on it. Afraid. I'm not mad. People acting like, I won't say the name because I think it's a great name, but it's been ruined now in society. But like people just losing their mind, lashing out at people. Fear. Hashtag afraid. That's what happens. We, we start to lash out because we're trying to, we don't want to confront the fear in our lives, so we'll take the easier path of confronting someone else. We literally have a rule in our family. We refuse, if we start getting to that point where all of a sudden fear, as we talk about all the different things that could bring fear right now in society, when we start getting to a point where we start to Lash out at each other. We stop it. Like, that's it. No, we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're not going to do it. Because fear can turn family and friends against family and friends. Fear. Like, oh, the devil. The devil's using fear. That's his weapon, by the way. It's not what he's doing to you. It's what he's threatening to do to you. Do you know the Bible says that the devil lurks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Emphasis on roaring. 
He's just a bunch of noise. In fact, if I were to tell you in scripture, the devil is a dog on a leash, but he roars like a lion as to scare us, to make us fearful of what he could do. So Eliab, he turns to David. He says, I know, I know the evil in your heart. What you know, Eliab, is that David's faith is making you look bad. That's what you know. David's, David's courage only amplifies your cowardice. And, and I, David wasn't attacking Eliab. He was simply looking through the eyes of faith. He's like, who is this Philistine who mocks God? And it amplified the cowardice. Not just Eliab, but an entire nation that is paralyzed in fear. Notice what David does when his brother turns against him. Notice what he does. I'll just read it to you. What verse is it in? Oh yeah, verse 30. And he turned away from him toward another, spoke in the same way. He just turned away. He said, okay, you know what? And, and that, that's all you ever hear of that, by the way. It's like, hey, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not, we're family. And can I just tell you, that's what I think we should do as brothers and sisters in Christ. When we get to a point where you and I disagree, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, would you stay? Hey, let's not do it. I, I, I love you. I love you. Let's focus our attentions and all of our efforts now on faith and on God and stop just looking at this because it's not worth it. You know, that's the goal of the enemy, by the way. The goal of the enemy isn't just to make us sick and kill us. In fact, I would argue he can't. I would argue, don't get me going on that. I would argue he's, he can't kill me. He can't do that. Now, there's a time, and it's appointed by God for all of us to die. There's a time and a place appointed. And the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, because it was timely and it was good. And now, I promise you, they wouldn't want to come back. They would not want to come back. My dad went to heaven, and I wish I could have raised him from the dead. And had I done it, he'd have smacked me in the face. He's like, don't mess with me, boy. Let me go back. You know what I'm saying? And that's a fact, by the way. No, no, no. But there, there's, here we are, and we're in this season. And the Bible says... That he turns away and says, I'm not going to fight with you. Don't allow the enemy to make us fight each other. Here's what the enemy does. Instead of us fighting him, he makes us fight each other. The real enemy is fear. The real enemy is this guy named Goliath standing out in the field. But all of a sudden, brothers are fighting one another. And that's exactly what he wants. Don't let it happen. Don't do it. See it for what it is. See it for what it is. My goodness. Stop interacting on social media. <laughs> Could I, oh man, mom and dad, get off Facebook right now. Honestly, you don't have to. It's a free country. But I would just, as a pastor, I would exhort you. I would encourage you. Like, it's not helping. It's not helping. And it's so easy to say things over a keyboard that you would never say in person. You say you would say it, but you would not. You wouldn't. And if you did say it, you'd probably say it a little differently. And tone is everything. I can text, I'm coming to get you. And you're like, what? Or I could say like, hey, I'm coming to get you. You know what I'm saying? It's totally different. Like, oh, I'm excited for that. Or I'm coming to get you. you know? No, no, no. Why are we fighting each other? Let's not forget who the real enemy is. Like, what's our enemy? Well, we know it's the devil, principalities, for sure. But can I just make it a little more practical? It is fear. Fear is the enemy. All right, let's keep reading. All right, what verse are we on? Verse 30, 31. 
And when the words of David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, here it is. You've heard these words before. You are not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. There will always be someone assigned to speak evil of the good you are attempting to do. Did you know that? Step out. Do something good. Try and be courageous. There will always, probably on Facebook, there will always be someone that will speak evil of the good God has told you to do. Someone's saying to me, man, they keep gossiping about me. How do you know? Are you gossiping too? (laughs) How do you know they're gossiping about you unless you are listening to the gossip that is being told of the gossip that they're telling? I told them, stop listening to what they're saying. Hey, did you hear? Don't want to know. I can't tell you how many times a week someone will come like, hey, did you hear about, I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Because if I know, then I care. And unless we're friends, like if you're my friend and you say something bad about me, the Bible says go to your brother and have a conversation. But if I don't know you and we don't interact, why would I give you head space and heart space and soul space? And like, they said they don't like the way you dress on Sundays. Really? Why? Who are they? And why should I care? Now, my wife doesn't like the way I dress. Well, I care about that. No, 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 no. So don't give them that space. Okay, where was I at? I got, I got distracted, sorry. He says, you are not able to go against the Philistine. Verse 33, fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of God. Notice again, this isn't David flexing. This is David being God-focused. He's like, this is why he will lose, because he's defying God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. This is not the first time David has faced fear. That's what I love about this right here. This is not the first time David has gone up against an insurmountable opponent or foe. Can I just say this? This is not the first time a nation, speaking of us right here today, has been in trying times. These are not the first dark days we've experienced. Not even in my life. I've experienced dark days in my life. This is not the first time you've experienced fear in your life. This is not the first time. David says, hey, hey, I've actually been here before. And his past fears, follow me now, now serve as his present confidence. Did you catch that? What used to scare him now is the very thing he draws confidence from. What used to make his heart race and his knees shake, the lions and the bears, oh my, like all of that that used to scare him. Can you imagine the first time the little shepherd boy came across a lion and grabbed the lion, he said, by the beard? That was a fear. But, he, but God got him through it. He was victorious. God was with him in the midst of it. He realized that it was just a fear and that he could conquer it. And now the very thing that made him quake is the very thing that gives him confidence. 
Oh my goodness, this should give us hope. If you find yourself in a situation where you're like, dude, this is shaking me to my core. I promise you it is just a part of a whole. The very thing that scared him. Do you know that today's trouble will be tomorrow's testimony? Do you know that? Please know that. The trouble that we are going through today will be a part of the testimony that we tell tomorrow. This season qualifies you for the next. That's what my dad said to me when I was young. Going through a tough season. It's 20 something. I hated it. Working construction 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Then going to night school 7 p.m. to 12 p.m. Then trying to preach a sermon to to bunch of snotty, bratty youth on the Wednesdays. No one paid me to do that. I was just doing a volunteer. Then I was married and trying to, I mean, I was just, I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm so, I can't eat every day. And I'm thinking my dad just pulled me aside and slapped me. He should have. He <laughs> said, Billy, don't, don't despise this. This season qualifies you for the next. He said, do you think greatness comes to those who don't go through hard things? No, 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 no. What, what right now you feel like is crippling you and is stopping you is the very thing that you will tell people in years to come. I went through it. God took me through it. I made it through it. And now I stand. And so when I face a bigger fear, a greater giant who's talking and yelling, I'm like, I, I've seen this before. In fact, I can pull from history where God brought me through this, where God brought me. Th- and if God did it then, then God could do it again. You ever think that maybe God has already prepared the way and now he's just preparing you? I believe that. God has already prepared a way. Now he's just preparing you. You're like, well, I, I've been here so long. It's qualifying you. What you're going through, what you're facing, it qualifies you. I'm sure David wasn't thrilled when he had to encounter the lion and the bear. But now as he faces the giant, Goliath? He's like, oh, I remember. And that has actually qualified me for this. So much so that the king's like, it's on you, man. Let's go. God be with you. Now let's go. Verse 36. Then Saul clothed David with his armor, put a helmet of bronze on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped a sword over his armor and he tried it in vain to go for he had, he had tested them. And then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. And then he took his staff in his hand. This is where it gets good. And he chose five smooth stones from the brook and he, he put them in his shepherd's pouch and his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. <laughs> I always wonder if David had any say in getting that in there. <laughs> Could you just throw that I was handsome in there? <laughs> and the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, sometimes you just got to talk to your fear. My goodness. Sometimes you just got to put voice to that fear. And maybe your fear isn't a person. So it's not what you say. I can't tell you how many times I'm out walking by myself. People must think I'm crazy. I am talking and yelling. And they're like, that guy has lost it. And I have lost it a little bit, but I'm speaking to the fear. And here's what he says. He says, you come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Now, if I'm that giant, I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> At that point, I'm like, I may have chosen the wrong little shepherd boy to mess with. Because David is not saying what he's going to do. He is reminding his enemy and his fear what God will do. I love that he ends the battle is the Lord's. That changes everything. Okay, think of everything we're facing right now. If it's, I, I, I read one article. I shouldn't be reading them. I keep, I'm trying to stop. It said if the church would wake up, this would all be over. False. I'm, I'm a pastor. I lead a church. Far be it for us to think that somehow we, the church, us people, have the ability to fix all this. Man, that's religious pride. That's what that is. No, 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 no. I, no, I know who can. And I can walk with you as we follow him. But make no mistake. This is not, this is not on me. David says this, the battle belongs to the Lord. He just removed himself from the equation. Like, oh, I'm going to come at you. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm going to pick up some stones. I am convinced that David, when he was flinging that stone, he could have thrown it behind him. (laughs) It didn't matter. The moment he chose to go, I'm God's to take that stone and just put it right back. It was going in that that giant's head no matter what. Because David's like, I'm going to show up to the battle. He literally could have like dropped it. And and it's gone right back up. He's like, the battle is the Lord's. This isn't on me. This isn't on us. And you should do this. And you should do this. I'm going to do what I got to do. And you should do what you got to do. And whatever God tells you to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be strong and courageous. But at the end of the day, you mess with the wrong God. Fear. It says the battle is the Lord's. And then it goes on. Verse 48. We're almost there. And the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Oh, so much to say. Let me get there. David put his hand in his bag and took a stone out and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone stake deep into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of the David so that, so that God could remind him again, the battle is mine. It's one thing to face a giant. It's one thing to kill that giant without even a sword. I mean, if 10 men would have gone out and beat that giant, that would have been pretty good. He does it without even a sword. But the emphasis, he ran quickly toward the giant. Hashtag faith. What about it? What about faith? You can only run at giants with faith. That's it. It doesn't make any logical sense to run at a giant. It doesn't make any common sense to face fears that are way bigger than us. No, no, the only way we come at them is with faith. And he ran at it. He didn't strategize. He didn't come around an ambush. He didn't like, hey, let's, hey man, let's diplomatically come to a compromise. I'll give a little, you give a little. He didn't think about it. He didn't get together a committee and come up with a plan. And no, no, no. The Bible says he simply just ran at the very thing that was threatening to take his life. He ran at it. Faith. Faith. Okay. I just got back from Florida last week. We were in we were in the ocean. It was awesome. And we were in the, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. Typically, there aren't many waves there. But 
tropical storm Fred was just leaving. So when we got there, the waves were coming in from the sea. I have not, I've seen waves like this before, Australia, California, but in the Gulf of Mexico, no, like eight foot, eight foot breakers. Just, if you know anything about waves, I'm kind of a surfer. You can tell by looking at me. So <laughs> super buoyant. And so they, I, these waves, and there's, there comes a point when you're facing a mountain of water, a wave that has been assigned to come and destroy you. Okay, there comes a point um, where you can no longer just stay there and you, it's too late for you to turn back and run. This, I'm going to give you a little wave theology before. I've probably said this before, but it, it really fits today. Okay, if my wife, Jennifer, she, her, her, her ocean kind of thing is she goes into the ankles. That's perfect because you're just watching the waves crash. If you're in the ankle deep, drinking your Starbucks coffee, looking all pretty. That's fine. She could do that. She just chill out there. Waves are breaking. There's no, there's no danger. Now you get to your knees in the ocean with big waves. Those waves are going to hit you, but they're not going to break on you. They've already broken, and now they're kind of rolling into you. Might knock you down. You know, might, you know, it's kind of fun. It's like, ooh, we're going to push around. But you get about waist deep with the wave, and it's building. There's a point. There's a point. It happens every time. And my daughter Serenity was out there with me, my brother Ben, my son Caleb, my son Jude. We're all out there. We're all out there, and these, and these are big waves, and they're coming storm waves. And there's, there is a point when that wave is coming at you that you can't stand there. Because if you stand there, it will break on you. And if you ever had a wave like that break on you, it is, it will destroy you. I mean, it will actually injure you. It'll crush you. And it's too late now to turn and run because the wave's coming. So if you turn to run, you can't get away in time. You have only one course of action when facing a mountain of water that is coming to kill you. Run straight into it. That's all you can do. So what we would do is you get out there and these waves are building and you, you want to you freeze because you're afraid. And then your first is, I'm going to run. I changed my mind. And you've seen those people. They're all over YouTube. They get crushed by the waves. They try and get away. You can't get away. No, no, you, here's what you have to do. The only way you win is you go headlong into it. You just run right into it. And the thing is, you'll go through the wave. It'll crash behind you and it'll be like it never happened. But you have to find the courage to run at this wave. I'm, we are at that point right now in society. That is what faith says. It is time to run towards your enemy. Run at it. You say, how can I? I'm scared. It's okay to be scared. But faith enables us to run toward it. That is the point we are at. We cannot just stand here anymore. You cannot just, it will crush you if you just stay paralyzed. You're going to turn around and run back? I'm sorry, those options are gone. We are so far into this. There's so many things happening. Maybe I'm talking as a nation, but maybe it's in your addiction or maybe it's in the marriage that's going wrong or maybe it's in your finances or maybe it's in that dilemma or maybe it's in the depression that you're dealing with or maybe it's in the diagnosis that there is no hope. And all of a sudden, you're already so far in. What faith says is rush into the fray. Trust that God is bigger than you. It's counterintuitive to run towards that which is trying to hurt us, run towards the enemy, run towards the giant. But that is exactly what David did, and that is exactly what God is calling us to. You're like, how, how, how do I live my life of faith like this? Well, I mean, Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Okay, church. I know that science says something, and I'm not discrediting science. I know that 
politicians are saying things. I'm not, I'm not discrediting politicians. I know that certain religious leaders are saying things. I'm not discrediting what they're saying. I know that your experiences, you're like, well, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I'm, your experiences are saying things. I'm not discrediting that. You must take that into consideration. I know that all the information you've gathered and the intellect that you've gotten, and I've done it too. And I know we have all these things. We're taking all these pieces from all these places and we're putting it together and we're coming up with a scenario. My question to you is, what about faith? Trust in the Lord. In the Lord. And, and Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Can I explain to you what that means? He's not saying that you don't understand because you do. You do. You actually do understand. You have, an, you have a level of understanding. Some of you more than others. I'm looking out here. Some of you are PhDs. Some of you are in the medical industry. Some of you are counselors when it comes to divorce. Some of you are, have gone through addiction and you've conquered that and you're fighting that battle. And so you, you have an understanding of things. The Bible isn't saying you don't understand. He's saying do not lean on your understanding. Because I, I'm tempted to do it. I gather all the information. I respect that person. So I'm going to take what they say. And, and, and then they put these things on social media and they put them in these little professional boxes and then they, they put it. So it must be true because it's so professionally done and it's a quote in a box. And so that must be, that must be fact. Do not lean on your own understanding. How do I, how do I live faith? Trust in the Lord. It doesn't mean check out. And that's what Christians, we, that's where people start to tune us out. Like, oh, the Spirit will lead. And, uh, and He will lead. He will lead. God's not saying, check out and just, God, do whatever you will. I'll just sit here and wait. No, he, He's like, no, no, trust in me and let's go. So uh, here's how I'm going to do faith. I'm going to run at that which scares me the most. With faith, trusting in the Lord. I'm going to go at it. I'm going to rush into the fray. Trusting in the Lord. And I will not lean on my own understanding. I have it, but it's not going to be the thing that I lean on when things get tight, when things get difficult, when things get scary, when the giants get loud. My son Judah, I love him so much. He's, he's so successful and brilliant. When he was, when he was 15, 16, he was trying, it was time to get his license and his permit, and he kept putting it off. And I remember out of all of our kids, he was the one, like, he just didn't want to get his license. I could be like, son, get your license, get your license. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to. And when I finally got, I was like, son, like, you're, you're, you're past 16 now. Don't you want your license? Every kid wants their license. And he kind of gave me his reasoning. He said, here's the reason, dad. Like, I've mastered the public transit system in Bellevue. Like, I get around everywhere I want to go. He's like, I don't have the money to buy a car. And he's like, so why would I, why would I get my license right now? He's like, I, I, go, I get around on the bus, I can Uber, I like to walk, I take my bike. He's like, in fact, I don't want to take the test, I don't have to study for it. He's like, I don't want to have to go for six weeks behind the wheel, driver's ed. Like, I don't have to do any of that. And so why would I get my license right now? And I remember thinking, like, it's actually solid reasoning in his own understanding. Like, you know, if, if, if all he knows is his world, that makes a lot of sense. Like, why would I go through all this pain and struggle? I can't afford a car. What Judah didn't know is that his mom and dad were ready to buy him a new car. But he didn't know that. In his mind, he's like, I don't have the money. I'm not going to have the money for years, so why would I do this? He's leaning on his own understanding. So finally, I forced him. I'm like, go get your license or you can't live in my house anymore. And he did it. And a week after he got his license, we threw him the keys to a brand new car, right? And it's like, oh, it's like he didn't know. On his own understanding, it made no sense. But don't lean on your own understanding. 
How true is that with God? He's like, listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're going to hear a lot of things out there. And there's going to be a lot of opinions. There's going to be the popular opinion. There's going to be all the other opinions. And there's going to be what you think and what you feel and what they feel and what they said. Don't lean on what you know. But in all your ways, acknowledge God. And here's my favorite part. He'll direct your path. He will. You know what that means to me? He's going to give me guidance along the way and it'll be clear actually says he will make your path straight i don't know if you've ever walked down a straight path for a long period of time but there is very little guesswork to that (laughs) it's not much to consider it's just straight all the way one foot in front of the other that's how it will be with god he will make your crooked path straight crooked path. I'm like, I don't know. Is that, did it go off there? Or is it, I, this kind of looks, I don't know, maybe should I turn around? I don't know. It's just a straight path. And he will direct you and he will be clear. Someone asked me the other day, like, what will we do? I was like, I'm taking literally month by month right now. Month by month. Month by month. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to take it into consideration. I'm not going to be ignorant to life. I'm going to take it into consideration. What they say. What you say. What's happening. But when it comes to leaning, when I'm going to make the decisions for my life and our future and my family and the purpose of God in my life, oh, make no mistake, I will lean on him. I will acknowledge him. So to all the voices out there, to all the fears, my question is simply this Sunday at church. What about faith? What about God still in control? What about that? When you go home today, When things happen this week and next week, because they're going to, not a prophet, but you know what's going to happen. What about faith? It still works, and we still have it. God, I pray right now that every person in this room would sense you. They would feel a relief in you. Thank you that as we read your word, it inspires us again. Lord, we trust you. Help us to trust you with all of our heart with everything that's within us. Help us to lean on you, not on what we know or what we think we know. And God, I pray that you would be in this moment. I pray right now that every person in here would feel and sense your courage, the confidence that we have that comes from knowing you. If you're in here right now, every eye closed, you want to put your faith in Jesus, I'd be honored to pray with you. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And so I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, with every eye closed, personal between you and God. If you say, today is the day I'm going to put my faith in this God who's with me and loves me and empowers me. Would you just raise your hand when I get to three? And I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Just pop it up. Put it right. Thank you. Anyone else? I see you. Anyone else? Got you. Amen. God, you see us. You're with us. Would you help us right now in this moment? Jesus, we choose to put our faith in you, to lean on you. Lord, I thank you that you are with us. Forgive us of the sins we've committed, the ones that we knew and the ones we didn't even know. Lord, I thank you that in this moment, you bring a new life and new hope and new joy. Thank you for being the source of our strength and the strength of our life. We put our faith in you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.